Welcome to Ashamed of Thrones, your weekly recap podcast for HBO's, oh, I don't know, uh, Garbage Bail Kid movie of a TV show, <laughs> Game of Thrones. I like that one. You like that one? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, I just thought of it off the top of my head. Usually you don't like my intros. You think they're uh, ridiculous, but I guess you're coming around to them, huh? Yeah, it would seem that way. Okay, Brian. Well, uh, that's Brian. My name is Doug. Um, and, you know, there was a scare that Brian wouldn't be with us tonight. Uh, he said something came up at work, but I'm glad that he was able to uh, uh, keep his um, perfect attendance alive and nothing is strange or weird about this show at all. Um, so I'm feeling good about it. Good about it. Are you, Brian? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's get going. So uh, this week we're breaking down episode uh, seven of season two, A Man Without Honor. Um, I guess that refers to Jamie, uh, Theon, uh, probably a bunch of people, and we'll get into it. But, um, you know, uh, as a whole, I wasn't uh, too big of a fan of this episode. Um, I don't know what it was about it, but uh, just didn't uh, uh, do it for me, I guess, as it were. Um, and lately, you know, most of these episodes in season two have been pretty bad. Um, They're all shit. Yeah, uh, they are all shit, Brian. Um, but you know, we have to do this week in and week out, no matter what happens. So, uh, we're going to go on. So, um, I'll start it off if you don't mind. Is that cool? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, first we start off in Winterfell and... Theon wakes and notice that uh, Peeves from the Harry Potter movie isn't there. Um, he goes downstairs and learns that, uh, you know, her, Hodor, Bran, Rickon have all escaped. Um, and he gets asked by what I think I call this guy the Mord of, uh, of the Iron Islands. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. The guy's ridiculous. Um, uh, but Theon, you know, backhands him. Um, and gives him some shit after he calls him out for sleeping with um, uh, McGonagall. Uh, and anyway, he should have done that a long time ago when the guy started sassing him back at the Iron Islands. Um, so Theon orders the sa- hound sent out. Theon, uh, for some reason, has Master Lewin join him uh, on this search for some reason. I don't know why that is. Um, Theon says at one point, it's all just a game, and that's a little bit too on the nose for his character. Uh, you know, he's taking this too lightly. Later, we catch up to Bran and company on the Grand Escape. Um, I guess because hiding in the Winterfell crypts would have been too clever and boring for a TV show, they're just running away. Um, and for some reason, the hounds can't catch up to them or people on uh, horseback. That seems ridiculous. But uh, anyway, uh, we see that uh, we hear from Bran and company that they've been walking all day and they finally f- spot a farm. Uh, and it's a farm where Bran had sent the two orphan boys from earlier in the season. Um, you know, and that's about it. Um, I, I guess I understand why they changed the hiding place from the Winterfell Crips um, to just them getting, just running away. Because eventually they do run away, but only after uh, Ramsey shows up and burns Winterfell. Um, and there's all sorts of very cool stuff um, about, you know... Uh, possibly a dragon rising from uh, Winterfell in the rubble. Um, I can't imagine you want to hear anything about that, do you, Brian? No, 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 not at all. Okay, well, then we'll just move on past it, I guess. Um, uh, So, uh, are you ready to do the next uh, scene there, Brian? No, no. Okay, so I guess you just expect me to do it, uh, do the whole thing? Right. 
Uh, I guess. All right, here we go. So, uh, so we're north of the wall, and uh, you know, John's wakes up next to Egret, and I guess there's been some cuddling, and uh, he's been uh, popping a boner uh, into her backside. Um, you know, it's it's all very crass. Uh, she guesses that he's a virgin, um, and you know, there's this long talk about. Uh, you know, whether John's free, what's it, what's the point of being a crow if you can't, uh, have sex and be, and be free like the free folk. It's all very, uh, contrite. I don't know. And I guess this is the courtship or them falling in love or flirting, I guess. But, um, this doesn't come off very well. Um, let's see. Ba 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 ba. Let's talk about masturbation. Uh, bones and stones and all this, uh, basically potty mouth. I've got a dragon. Give me some chips. <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Oh, okay. okay. You know, I know stomach pancakes is next, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the talk here is just crass about stones and bones. And then she says, you know, does she want to do them? She's all wet. I don't know. That might be later. We'll get to it. It's all pretty gross. Um, but yeah. Uh, they they finally get to talking about their shared ancestry, um, and Egret, you know, she says something very, uh, you know, almost too uh, aware by saying, "Well, why are you fighting us? If you've been here the whole time, we've been there the whole time. Why are we fighting?" And you know, this is basically another situation when I hate it, where um, one character is inceptioning a great idea into another uh, character's head, you know, because eventually John and John unites the wildlings and the the men of the Night's Watch to fight the others, um, and this is where it comes from, I guess, because he doesn't have any agency. Um, anything else to add there, uh, Brian? No, I didn't notice. Yeah, I didn't notice either, but uh, nothing to add? No, 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 not at all. Cool. All right, so uh, we move on to Harrenhal, or Harren Hall. You know, uh, still know how to... Uh, <laughs> To pronounce, I don't think it's that funny, but whatever. So uh, Tywin thinks that the death of Amory Lorch was an attempt on his life. Uh, the mountain has been torturing uh, dudes for a long time. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but this guy's the fucking worst. Yeah, the this mountain is awful. You know, he's uh, he, he doesn't seem he's got a deep voice and he's tall, um, but it, it's kind of weird. Anyway, we get the show invention of Wolfsbane being the poison used, which I think is just ridiculous. They could have used another established poison. Uh, plus, I think it's one of these things where they're trying to make it clever being um, wolf, like dire Wolfsbane and Tywin, you know, the fall of the Starks, uh, Red Wedding, all that shit. Whatever, right? Move on, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, we also get direct confirmation that Tywin's ordering war crimes um, with Gregor ordered to burn and pillage the countryside. Uh, so that's interesting. We never get that direct confirmation. I mean, obviously that's what he's doing in the books as well. It's just it's interesting to hear him say it out loud. Uh, and Tywin decides to be kind to Arya and let her eat his meal because he's not a big fan of mutton. And during it, Tywin waxes philosophical about uh, legacies and such. While Arya briefly considers stabbing him in the back. Um, this doesn't go anywhere. They also discuss the history of Harrenhal. Arya betrays her privilege upbringing by 
uh, relating her extensive knowledge about this history and history of the Aegon's conquest and Visenya and all those old people. Uh, and Tywin reveals that he knows she's probably nobly born and there's more to her, but he doesn't really ask any questions. Um, so this is very un-Tywin-like, and I hate when the show does this. Now, I love... Uh, this is going to be a little bit of uh, a Doug rant. No, no, no. Yes, no, it is. All. Yes, it's going to be a little bit of a Doug rant. Uh, I hate, you know, I love this show invention. Most of the show inventions I hate, but I think this is a good one because I like Grandpa Tywin and Arya getting along. Um, but I just hate the fact that they undermine Tywin's, one of his, you know, character traits being clever um, and smart and just not dumb. Uh, just in order to make something happen like this. Um, so, you know, uh, it's a little off-putting that he doesn't ask questions after he basically knows that she's not telling the truth. You know, and if you're going to do that, from a narrative standpoint, it would be more rewarding if he found out later on that who she really was the whole time, that he had Arya Stark in his grasp and he let her get away. That would have been better, but... Whatever, it's a weird show invention, so I think we should just move on. What do you think? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, God, I didn't really prepare for the next couple scenes. Are you sure you don't want to uh, read these? No, no. All right, uh, okay. So we get a really quick scene in King's Landing where the Hound uh, passes uh, Sansa and she stops him and wants to thank him for rescuing her uh but you know he's a pretty much a dick to her it comes off really as tough love um but says he enjoyed killing and all men enjoy killing and her father's a liar if he says otherwise and she asked why you're such a dick all the time uh and he said well you'll be glad i'm a dick when i'm uh protecting you from your beloved husband joffrey uh so he knows that joffrey's a piece of shit um and this tough love, it really comes off as a tough love parenting kind of situation, um, which is kind of gross. Yeah, right? Right. Okay, so there's not much to that scene. Uh, then we get another scene of Danny walking around with uh, Duck Souse. Um, says she wants to meet the 13 to investigate the missing dragons. Um, saying that possibly one of them uh, was responsible for killing or taking the dragons and slaughtering her uh, friends and Duck Souse's uh, guards. Um, she suspects Duck Souse, but Duck Souse says he has all the you know gold in the world or whatever, all the riches hidden behind his vault, and we get him where he's holding the little key to his vault, and I feel like this is terrible. Uh, this is once again, uh, you know, the writers because it's a show invention of the show. Uh, saying, oh man, this is going to be awesome. When this pays off, people's minds are going to be blown because we know that there's nothing in the vault um, and this is all a big for big for show. Uh, but it's just terrible. Um, it's not very good. Um, right? No, 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 no. Not at all. Not at all. Right. Um, so, so let me go back up north of the wall. John and Egret are walking around aimlessly. Um... And she keeps harping on about this whole, like, the free folk are better than the benders or the the kneelers, I guess. Benders, isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good, right? Right. Um, uh, she criticizes John. John says, well, you know, you're under the rule of Mance Raider, the king beyond the wall. 
She says they chose him. It wasn't uh, inherited. Basically, it's just this just fucking boring bickering. Uh, and it's really just goes on and on and on. Um, but we do get the first, you know, nothing, Jon Snow. So I guess that's, uh, that's, I guess, meaningful or has, you know, some import. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't really excited about this. All right. So, uh, then we get Rob's camp, um, the Lannister cousin who, uh, they sent to do peace terms, uh, with the Lannisters came back and reports that the Lannisters turned it down. Big shocker, right? Yeah. 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 Um, because of overcrowding, this Lannister captive has to temporarily room with Jamie uh, because they have to build a new pen for him. Uh, and then Talisa comes in and Roos gives her this lingering look um, as if he knows Rob is fucking up by talking to this hottie, uh, which he is. Um, so Roos Bolton, you know, in retrospect is. Not as awful. I'm sure he's a terrible person, but at least he sees, you know, what's going on. He sees this coming a mile away. Um, uh, Talise is there to to get more supplies for her conscientious observer herself um, for the healing that she does. She's healing everybody, not just Rob's men, but the enemy as well. And Rob says the other lieutenants aren't taking that well. Rob invites her along to the crag uh, to see if their maester has these supplies or some of the supplies that are not easily uh, gotten. And this just sounds like a bad idea. This sounds like a business trip with a coworker that you have a lot of sexual tension with um, when you're married. It just does. It does not going to work out well. And I think Ruth sees that, um, and it's just really, you know, it's just setting this up, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, all right, I really didn't do this scene either. Are you sure you want me to do it? Oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Um, so we get a scene of the farm that we saw when Bran was running by it, and uh, uh, Theon searches the farm, interrogates the guy who lives there. They can't find anything. They lost the trail inexplicably. Once again, these guys are just Hodor, uh, the two direwolves, Bran and Rickon are just traipsing around like idiots. I'm sure. Uh, you know, uh, what's her name from the Harry Potter movies? Um, Professor Umbridge, uh, she's a wildling, so I'm sure she knows how to handle herself. But, um, you know, I don't know why they lose their the scent. It's just, a, you know, just bullshit to compel the story, move the story forward. Uh, so uh, the guy Dagmar, his, like, number two guy, calls him over, says he found something. Um he found some walnut shells in the corner of the farmyard um, and then asked Theon to send uh, Maester Lewin away. And Maester Lewin knows some bad shit is going down and he reluctantly uh, leaves. But I don't know what that was about. I don't know if he just called him over here. Uh, Dagmar called Theon over there just to say, hey, uh, look at this. Now send the guy away. We're going to do some bad shit. Or if... I don't know what the meaning of the walnut shells were. Were Brandon Ricken actually there? Did they stop there? And if so, uh, I don't see how that directly results in the the farm boys that are there getting killed. But uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. We won't see that until, I think, next episode or maybe the end of this one. We'll find out. Okay, so going back to Karth, uh, Danny is sulking in a room when Jorah comes in, 
chest heaving like he's on the cover of a goddamn trashy uh, romance novel. Um, Jorah was somewhere. I I don't know where he was, but, um, you know, he's back now. Uh, Danny's mourning the loss of two characters that I can't remember um, their names. Um, But, uh, you know, she's all shook up about it. Um, Let's see. Uh, this is just flimsy ass writing. Danny goes on melo- on a melodramatic tirade about how Jorah wants to be the only person she can trust, uh, but it goes on forever, and she just dismisses him and tells him uh, to go find her dragons. It's it's really awful. I've got a dragon. Give me some ships. Yeah, well, that's she says that later, but yeah, that's that's what she sounds like. Um. Now it's true that Danny, you know, statements were true about uh, Jorah, and obviously she's conflicted and upset that Jorah's romantically in, uh, interested in her. And you know, somebody else, in the, I think it's one of the warlocks or somebody, or Duxaw sees this as well. I don't remember. Who cares? But uh, you know, she just—it's just written so terribly because she's just going off and berating him, and he just stands there not saying anything. Uh, it's just Danny pontificating about you know how Jorah's a jerk. Um, so not, not great. So we'll just move on. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. North of the wall. This is where we get the, uh, it's nice and warm and wet. Um, it was just an off putting scene where, um, Egret's trying to get, uh, John to, uh, sleep with her slash just put his guard down. And eventually she runs and she gets away and it turns out that, uh-oh, she found some more wildlings and John is surrounded. Uh, and I guess we're gonna he's going to be taken captive. Uh, not much to say about this scene except for I'm glad that, you know, we don't have all this horrible, you know, horrible back and forth. You know, this, I mean, I find Egret incredibly attractive, but the crude talk was a little bit much for me. It's like, you know, yeah. It's just They're all I thought shit. this scene was shitty. Yeah, I thought it was shitty too, but uh, you know, all this talk about warm and wet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay, you know, I know stomach pancakes is next, but go I, ahead. Yeah, it seems like a stomach pancake situation where, you know, it's just crude, uh crudely written. Uh and it, it reminds me of like, you know, being into a girl and then she says something and you're like, "Oh god, you're trashy." Uh which doesn't hardly happen ever, but um uh, it has. Uh <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, uh, moving back to King's Landing, Sans is having PST um, and wakes up from a night ter- terror about uh, nearly being raped. And she wakens to find that she's had her first period. Uh, this is bad news because now Joffrey will be able to marry her. Uh, Shay comes in and helps her cover it up, but the two are interrupted by some no-names, you know, nameless, uh, no-name nameless, uh, some random server who comes in and... Runs right off to tell the queen, like, immediately, and Shay, you know, threatens her with a knife um, out the door, but when Shay gets back, oh no, Sandor is in the room, so I guess he's informing to the queen. This makes no goddamn sense at all, especially since Sandor just said that she, he wants to protect her from Joffrey, so uh, this is a big head-scratcher. Um, I don't know how it had to be Sandor, it could have been anybody else, I guess, I don't know. But um, later, Cersei is talking to Sansa, and she knows, and they're talking about having a period and what it means, and how you know it's great to have kids. 
And we get this somewhat sympathetic story about Cersei giving birth, and the former king, King Robert, uh, is off hunting every time she gave birth. Um, you know, trying to make her a sympathetic character. But once again, none of them were Robert's kids, so, uh, you know, fuck her for being all alone. Uh, <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, but uh, he didn't know that. I know. I understand that he didn't know that, so he's a terrible person too. But Cersei also uh, says love is weakness, and she should only love her children, nobody else. Uh, but she admits that Joffrey is a terrible person, and it will be hard to love her, and um, you know, hard to get any love in return. I thought this scene was shitty. Yeah, well, they can't all be winners. I mean, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So let's see. We go back to Rob's camp. And, um, I don't know, this, this scene goes on forever, but essentially the Lannister cousin, what's his face, um, is in the cell with Jamie, and they have this long wind conversation about who he is and, you know, the glories of, uh, wet battle and some weird twinge about privilege. One Lannister saying he was, you know, he wouldn't, you know, Jamie Lannister wouldn't understand what he has to go through, um, but it seems ridiculous, especially since this guy's last name is T- Lannister compared to, I guess, rando, uh, you know, serfs out there. This guy's more privileged, so I guess his, uh, I don't know, his point of view or perspective is way off. Anyway, it was just a dumb long story, and he inches closer and closer to Jamie, and Jamie says, can you help me escape? I said, yeah, what do I have to do? You just have to do one thing die and it's just so fucking awful i (laughs) yeah it's just it's ridiculous um but jamie kills the lannister cousin which causes a guard to come in now the guard was the son of i believe uh one of the car starks the we see this in a previous scene we didn't talk about so it's gonna have repercussions later but uh, Jamie kills the cousin to get the guard to come in, the son of Car- uh, Arnoff Karstark, I don't know, one of the Karstarks, and then Jamie kills him with his chains and takes his key and, I guess, escapes. Um, this was, I think, how would you describe this scene? I thought this scene was shitty. Yeah, I thought it was shitty, too. I just thought it went on way too long. It's another show contrivance. Uh, and it's just another situation where I think they, they wrote it and thought, oh, what a good boy am I. Um, but it was just awful. Um, so let's see. I just don't understand, like, what this... I, I, I <laughs> You just don't understand what? Um, what the next scene's going to be? Well... Guess what? It's going to be Karth, and Jorah is off Explora uh, to see what happened to the dragons, and he meets Kvothi? Kvothi? The girl in the lacquer mask that we saw a couple episodes back, and she's tattooing a sailor for his um, voyage near Old Valyria. Uh, we get more hashing about how Jorah loves Danny. There it is. So, you know, that's just, they're just throwing that in our face. Um,. Kvothi asks Jorah if she plan- he plans to betray Danny again and then tells him that the thief is in her presence right now and he runs off to go save her. So meanwhile, Danny's meeting the 13th and you know she's asking about the dragons 
and basically just goes on for a while, but it comes out that the warlocks took the dragons, they're at the House of the Undying, and Duxos is a conspirator, and he wants to be the king of Karth, and they plan to not kill the dragons, not sell them, but have Danny raise them and use Danny as a puppet. Um, it's just a terrible fucking plan. Just an awful, awful plan. Anyway, Pilot Pre uh, has the leaders executed by Magic Trick, uh, in which he appears like, you know, 12 other times, or I guess 11 since two of the 13 are going to remain. Uh, or And then there's Pilot Pre himself, which I don't know if he kills anybody himself. I can't remember. So there could be 10 Pilot Pre copies, whatever. He has their throat slips all slit at the same time, and Danny runs off, um, and then is confronted by another Pyat Pre copy. Jorah shows up out of nowhere, kills one, but it doesn't matter because there's another one. Uh, they're all over the place, and basically the dragons want Danny to go voluntarily to the House of the Undying, which doesn't make any fucking sense. Just, just capture, just turn into like fifteen Pyat Pre's grabber or drag her ass to the. Uh, House of the Dying, just terrible show invention crap. Uh, you know, this is another situation where... Um, I thought this scene was shitty. And I thought this scene was shitty as well. Um, you know, this whole thing with Duck Sauce becoming the king, I, I just don't... I, I'm i sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but this guy's the fucking worst. <laughs> Duck Sauce is the worst. Piapri's pretty bad, too. You know? They're all shit. Yeah, they're, they are all shit. Um, this whole storyline is terrible. Um, you know... Uh, but that's but that's that. Um, so let's see. Where do we go next? Hello. What do you want? Is this Jermaine? It is. Excellent. Uh, good thing you're calling. Uh, because we're recording uh, Shame of Thrones right now. I'm busy. Okay, that's great. So uh, let's see. Where do we go? Uh, next we're uh in Rob's camp again. And the camp is in an uproar because uh, the escaped Jamie Lannister has been recaptured. Isn't that crazy? You can't you can't just bring me in like this last <laughs> second. Well, everyone wants him dead, and rightfully so, because he killed uh, Lord Karstark's son to get out. Uh, and Catelyn is trying to play peacemaker here, and uh, uh, says he's still a prisoner and must not be killed before Rob gets back to pass judgment. Is that um, asshole Brian on? Uh, yeah, he's here. Say hi. Yeah, he's right, right. here. Can you hear him? Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. Uh, but he showed up, so I'm glad you're able to. You're available to just. We've got three scenes left, so if you just want to stay on the line and continue watching football, that's great. That'll help out because uh, Brian hasn't been too talkative today. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Um, so, all right. So then we go back down to King's Landing. Tyrion and Cersei are discussing Stannis and how he'll be there in a couple days. Uh, he's going to invade. Tyrion chides Joffrey for not being yeah, kingly. Yeah, I gotta get a headset. No, no, just just hang out. It's fine. We're almost done. I don't know what's going on here, and I don't, don't like it. You don't have to. Just hang out. It'll be fun. Um, so I don't trust you. You, you know shouldn't. That. But but I, I trust me now. <laughs> In general, do not trust me. But yes, this is great. Um, so uh, yeah, Tyrion's chiding Joffrey for not being kingly enough. They both decide that Joffrey's out of control. Uh, spoiler alert! Like we didn't know that. Uh, Cersei admits to what Tyrion already knows, that Jaime and Cersei are Joffrey's parents, and that his cruelty uh, it may be punishment for their sins. Um, so a little bit of reflection here by Cersei for, uh, you know, what Joffrey's done. Uh, not much to say about that. It's just a little moment between them. 
Then we go back up to Rob's camp. The camp is still uh, in strife with everyone still wanting to kill Jamie. Uh, Brienne thinks Jamie won't last the night. Jamie has a little speech about uh, contrary oaths and responsibility, which is great in the books. They kind of breeze through it here. And he gets a little bitter pill about being called Kingslayer all the time. And then he decides to throw Ned's infidelity in Cat's face. Catelyn calls for Brienne's sword, and that ends the scene. It's pretty tense, right? Who the fuck are you talking to? I'm talking to you. <laughs> you and Brian, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. And then almost done. Last scene. So then we go back up to Winterfell, and Prince Theon has gathered a crowd around to say that he demands obedience, and he told them that there would be penalties if they didn't obey. And then he reveals the, the burnt corpses of two children, two small children that everybody believes to be Brandon Rickon. Isn't that crazy? My name's Brian, and I love children being murdered. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Brian, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm Brian, and I'm an idiot. Yeah. Right. Yep, mm-hmm. that's right. right. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I remember that scene. Yeah, uh, so did it, you it, think it was, because you didn't read the books, right, Jermaine? I did not. So did you think that was Brandon Rickon the first time? Um, I don't think so. I think I put it together because I'm pretty, I'm pretty smart like that. So you didn't, you thought it was, uh, you didn't think it was Brandon Rickon. You thought that was ridiculous, right? Yeah, they, they actually, they haven't been shown to be alive at that point, right? Uh, no. Well, basically we saw them earlier in the episode. They were passing by this farm. Uh, Rickon wanted to stop for food. And Bran said we should move on, and they kind of left it as a cliffhanger. And that it was. Yeah, but uh, you were smart enough, you figured it out, you can't be fooled. It's germane to the story. It is germane. All right, so uh, what did you think about this episode? <laughs> if you had to give this a rating, Jermaine, what did you think? Um, I think this podcast sucks because I'm never on it. <laughs> okay, um, well, you're on it now. And then I'm brought in at the last second, clearly as a closer, to make this thing worthwhile. So, Well, guess what? You were uh, available on Skype, so I would avoid doing that in the future. <laughs> I don't know if you turn on your computer or what, but we were able to call in and get you. And I'm so glad we were, because you've made this uh, you know, so much more um, interesting, I guess. Save, save this turd. Right. From what it is. Uh, I do remember hating Theon right. in this episode, because I'm just like, why the fuck are you doing this? Yeah, he's a piece of shit, right? Why? He was doing so well in the beginning, then he just went to Iron Islands and then turned into a piece of shit, and now he's doing all this stuff. Everybody just makes fun of him. It's hilarious. The whole His whole crew just makes fun of him the whole time. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't a great character. He was a bit of a douchebag, but like a harmless douche in the beginning, but here he's just, you know, he's a piece of shit, and he's killing people, and he's... Just acting like an asshole. Yeah, nobody gives him respect. We already talked about that. But uh, if you had to rate this episode on a scale of between 1 and 10, uh, by, but it's 1 through 5 with point fives, you know how this works. <laughs> what would you rate this episode? Uh, I'll give it I'll give it a, a two and a half. Two and a half? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give it a I'm going to give it a 2. I didn't I didn't like it nearly as much as some of the snoozers of the episode. We're doing season 2 right now if you haven't noticed. And season two kind of is a stinker. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's very good. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. My this guy's Brian, the fucking I'll worst. I'll give it a bologna sandwich because that's funny. <laughs> Actually, yeah, let's, Brian, what do you give this uh, episode? I agree. Oh, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to give that a Cable's pizza soup. Uh, he said a pizza soup, uh, which is crazy. I think that's what he gave the episode last week. Um, so he's very unoriginal. I'll give it a two. Uh, Jermaine has a 2.5, so I'm going to combine that together. 
uh, that's a 2.5 overall. I think 2.75, which isn't allowed, so I'm going to round up to three. Uh, so I don't agree with it, but that's a little higher than normal. So uh, uh, for Brian, uh, this is Doug and Jermaine. Thanks for being on. Need me back more often. Yes, we do. Thank you for coming in at the last minute and saving our bacon. Um, but uh, if nothing else, we will see you next Tuesday. And this was a normal episode with nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye I agree oh, and I'm, I'm going to give that a Campbell's pizza soup yeah you already gave your rating I, I agree oh, and I'm, I'm going to give that a Campbell's pizza soup yeah we heard it oh, oh goodbye goodbye what just happened